Welcome back to Radiology Jam. Today we're really excited to launch our brand new podcast, The Physics Podcast. This podcast is aimed at candidates sitting the FRCR Part 1 Physics exam. And we know that this can be incredibly challenging to those new to radiology and medical physics, and certainly was challenging for me when I sat it. To save us from the spiral of doom that can be physics, Radiology Jam, our team are so excited to collaborate with the most amazing medical physicist that I know, Jodie Smith. Jodie Smith is one of four also incredible MR physicists at Imperial College Healthcare Trust, um, and she's also an honorary lecturer at Imperial College London. And she's got a wide variety of interests, including MR fingerprinting, diffusion tensor imaging, breast dynamic enhanced MRI, neonatal ultrasound, and what I work most closely with her on, MR guided focused ultrasound. Jolie graduated in physics with quantum and laser technology from the University of Exeter before undertaking an MSc in medical physics and clinical engineering. She's an alumni of the scientific training programme of the National School of Healthcare Science and completed her registration as a clinical scientist at Brighton and Sussex University Hospitals NHS Trust while studying at King's College London. Wow, Jolie, you sound like you've done so many things. Thank you so much for joining our team. We're really delighted to welcome you. Oh, brilliant. Thanks for having me. I was wondering whether maybe you'd like to introduce our first series. Yeah, sure. Uh, So this is the physics podcast where we're going to be covering uh, all loaded topics from medical physics from your part one of the FRCR exam. And this first series will be about magnetic resonance imaging, also known as MRI. Thank you so much. The hardest topic first. Um, So I'm going to try and navigate through um, MRI physics by asking you lots of really simple questions. And if any of our listeners have any additional questions, please do get in contact. So you can either tweet us and our Twitter handle is at jam underscore radiology, or you can email us at radiologyjampodcast at gmail.com. So yeah, let's get started. So Jolie, is it okay if we go straight back down to basics? You know, the the simple principles of MRI, i.e. the first word is magnet. So (laughs) would you mind explaining what magnetism is? Okay, so very simplistically, magnetism is a physical phenomena that we experience as attractive and repulsive forces, right? So there's two levels to magnetism. There's the atomic level, where the properties of the electron and nuclei contribute to create magnetic properties of the material. And then there is, on a larger scale, change in magnetic fields, which exist in the presence of electric fields. So on the larger scale of change in magnetic fields, that was investigated in classical physics theory, back in the 19th century um, by scientists Ampere and Faraday, who uh, lived up the road, actually, from where I live now. Oh, and cool. he, Yeah, he was a self-taught genius who lived in poverty. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting guy. And he did the famous magnet through a coil of loop creates a voltage experiment. Yeah. And then Lenz honed the theory a bit more. And we have Maxwell's four equations to describe the key principles of changing magnetic field and they're really useful 
uh, that to help you understand how a MRI scanner works. So I, th- I feel like with um, Faraday, this is a name that most people have heard of, and Ampere's definitely, um, you know, even people who aren't interested in, in physics and radiology. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it's really interesting how much physics and, and magnetism is involved in our everyday life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What did you mean about these equations? Is that something that we need to know for the exam, or is it one of these things so that are above our head? They, they are principles that will just really help you understand. Because with MRI imaging, I feel like sometimes there's such a, a gap between all the sounds and all what's going on and actually how that information's being gathered. And mm. because with MRI, unlike CT and other imaging modalities, there's so much that you can change and there's yeah. so much variation. So understanding those kind of basic principles will really help you kind of make the most out of MRI, yeah. really. And I think also sometimes we get so exam-focused, but actually if you understand the principles, then you can be involved in, in new advances as they come through. So, yeah. um, you know, that's something that I've really got to enjoy working with you on our focused ultrasound um, projects is that understanding of more and more how MR helps us. Um, yes. which is confusing to everybody that I've said ultrasound and MR in the same sentence, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but yeah, would you be happy to explain the important equations? Yeah, so uh, they can be put into words, which is a lot nicer, especially on a podcast. Yeah. So um, the first is that if there's a charge, then there's an electric field. It's nice okay. and simple. The well, second that- says that magnetic field lines always form a closed loop. Okay. Um, The third is a change in magnetic field induces a current, so therefore an electric field. Yeah. Um, And the final one is the opposite of that. So an electric field creates a change in magnetic field. Ooh, so it goes back on itself. Yeah. One doesn't occur without the other. Okay, fine. Um, so that's, you know, that will do for understanding changing magnetic fields. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also static magnetic fields. And okay. that's when it gets a little harder because we still don't fully understand the phenomena. Um, the best static, we... in, static magnetic fields are important yeah, for, for MR safety, right? So yeah. I like we should cover this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's still a really important part. Um, And it's how we get the image. It's how, you know, we take advantage of these interactions to get the signal in MR. So Mm. it's super important. Um, But yeah, the best um, understanding we have at the moment is in quantum mechanical theory. Mm -hmm. Um, And that says that some atoms have this property called spin and some don't. And okay. that's it boiled down to like a basic sentence and you can stop there. If you just can accept that, that's will make your life a whole lot easier. But um, mm-hmm. the truth is that some atoms were found to have magnetic properties that weren't predicted by the theory. And so okay. to fill in the missing piece, the property spin was created. Mm. Um, so what I said before from the classical electromagnetism theory Mm -hmm. 
Mm. We had um, if a particle has a charge and moves, then a magnetic field is created. You can take that a step further and say if that charged particle is spinning, then the magnetic field created has the distribution of a bar magnet. So like Mm. tiny versions of a bar with blue and red, like the blue and red magnets used at school. the classical ones. The classics, exactly. They have the two poles, so you call them a dipole. Yeah. Um, But then it was found that electrons, so tiny subatomic particles with a negative charge, acted like bar magnets, even Mm. when they weren't spinning. So they were dipoles regardless of motion. So this is where the property spin comes from. Okay. So much like we have charge to describe electrical force, mm-hmm. we now have the term spin to describe the cause of magnetic phenomena. Okay, so that's really interesting. So some atoms have this property of spin. Yeah. And obviously everything's made of atoms. So does that mean that certain materials have spin or magnetism and others don't? How does it work? Yeah, so... Uh, spin is like one of the properties of nuclei but not all um, subatomic particles have it so protons and electrons have this value of spin a half so how do we know which materials will be magnetic um the kind of the way that magnetism presents itself in materials varies on what the materials are made up of right so in mri the materials are placed within a magnetic field Hmm. and then we have faraday's law of induction that tells us that the magnetic forces of the materials subatomic particles will be affected by this magnetic field Um, but the materials react quite differently to the presence of an external field dependent Hmm. on a few factors So there's firstly the atomic and molecular structure of the material. And secondly, there's the magnetic moment of the material. Okay. So magnetic moment of the material is the net magnetic field associated with the atoms caused by the spin, this property of the subatomic particles, the change in motion caused by the external uh, magnetic field and then the electron motion of the atom. So when we say some materials possess a magnetic moment, we are saying the atom is an electromagnet created Mm. by the spin of its subatomic particles on their own axis and the motion of the electrons around the nucleus of the atom. So a useful but a limited analogy is to think of electrons and protons like a spinning top or a gyroscope spinning on its axis yeah i think we've seen those in like lectures and videos in the past it's yeah round and round on itself making itself dizzy (laughs) yeah so it's a really good way to think about spin but it's not realistic so it it can't go any further in the theory but it's just a a useful way for humans to kind of grasp big concepts talking of humans are humans magnetic or like have we got little spinning gyroscopes inside of us Okay, so um, materials can be classified on the basis of how they react to an external field, right? Yeah. Um, so we've 
already introduced property spin, electrons have this property, but in most atoms, electrons occur in pairs and electrons in pairs spin in opposite directions. So again, think of like those two bar magnets. If you want them to happily sit together, you have to spin them round and put the north to the south. Yeah. Um, and they're attracted, they sit together. So electron pairs can be thought of like this. They spin in opposite directions and therefore they cancel each other out and no magnetic field exists. Um, okay. Alternatively, materials with some unpaired electrons will have a net magnetic field and will react more to an external field. So we classify them on this basis, right? So you can have a diamagnetic material, a paramagnetic material, or a ferromagnetic material. Now, those terms always come up in exams. <laughs> yeah. What do they mean? Like, they're so confusing. Like, it's a magnet. Okay, it spins around. Got it. Yeah. And what's they... the para, the dia, the para? What does that mean? Okay. They are confusing, and it is mean that they come up because they're not terms that you're going to use regularly in the clinic. So, but so the first uh, is the most common scenario, right? Where the mm. electrons are paired. They spin in opposite directions and cause the magnetic fields to cancel out. And that's, and that's a, diamagnetic. That's diamagnetic, yeah. yeah. And that's what most of the body is made up of, water, okay. tissues, bone. So m- we're mainly not magnetic. <laughs> but we've got diamagnetism within us. Yes, exactly. We are diamagnetic. And um, that's because of the hydrogen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's because we have, we're made of mainly like paired electrons, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you place a diamagnetic material in a magnetic field, then it will have a weak negative magnetic susceptibility, okay. um, which means it will slightly repel the magnetic fields. But yeah. as soon as you take a diamagnetic or a human body out of the MR scanner, out of the magnetic field, the magnetic properties it once had completely disappear. Is that when, is that why I felt like I was unspinning when I came out the MR machine? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eye on me you were just in every reset. direction possible, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> so you're just coming back to your healthy normal. <laughs> <It was> just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So human beings and most living creatures have are diamag- diamagnetic, and, yes. and this is because we've got unpaired electrons in us. Paired. Um, and sorry, paired, 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 paired electrons sense the dire. Yeah. <laughs> and you go into the machine and you have this sort of negative repel. Yes. Repelling kind of effect. Really weak. Okay. Weak. Yeah. Nice. So I think effect. we've covered dire yeah. magnetic. So what's paramagnetic? So rather than having paired, you can have materials with some unpaired electrons. And so they'll have a net field and will react more to an external magnetic field. And this is the case in paramagnetic materials. So if you place a paramagnetic material in a magnetic field, they will have a small positive magnetic susceptibility. And this means they slightly attract the magnetic field lines. And uh, it's a property that can be exploited for good. So it's exploited in contrast agents in MRI Mm -hmm. um, because it can shorten imaging parameters and give you higher signal in profuse tissues um and again if you remove paramagnetic materials from an external magnetic field it loses these magnetic properties and goes back to normal okay that's really interesting 
Okay, so it's all about the external magnetic field and how it impacts on the properties of what's within it or what's come into into contact with it. Yeah, um, exactly. Okay, so diamagnetic, understood. Paramagnetic, understood. Yeah. What about the ferromagnetic? Not not Egyptian pharaohs, to be fair. <laughs> Sadly, <with> an F. <laughs> Sadly, just the just the scary word in MR. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes it is a bad word in MR it's it? a scary word <laughs> <laughs> okay please do explain <laughs> so yeah so ferromagnetic materials like paramagnetic materials have atoms that carry a magnetic moment but the difference between paramagnetic and ferromagnetic is that for ferromagnetic materials they also have these magnetic domains which put simplistically during the process when the material is made, I think it's called solidification, something like that, something ludicrous. The atoms in what is to become a ferromagnetic material align parallel, causing okay. a strong magnetic field. But yeah. that only occurs in small domains within the material. Mm. And these small domains occur across the entire material. So even though individual domains within the ferromagnetic material are magnetically saturated they're completely aligned parallel um you would uh, so independently say each small domain has a strong magnetic field the bulk material may not show any signs of magnetism because when you add up all the domains they've developed independently and they're completely randomly orientated relative to one another so they oh, I see. Out. Yeah. yeah. And just to make this clear, so diamagnetic is when you've got them going in opposite poles and ferromagnetic, they have domains that are going in the same parallel direction, but you'll have a load of different domains that might be pointing in different ways, which is why overall there isn't a magnetic charge there. Is that right? So, so with diamagnetic, you have... When when in an ex when in a magnetic field, yeah, you're right. They do kind of align more predominantly against and slightly repel it in a, like a weak way. In mm. ferromagnetic materials outside of a magnetic field, yeah, you have all these domains, and but they're completely. Although each domain individually has a really strong magnetic field, they're all independent of one another and point in different directions. So for the whole material, they cancel out. Yeah. So and then you put them into a magnet and magic happens. Exactly, yeah. Once yeah. they go into a magnetic field, all the dom domains align parallel. Yeah. Um and yes. Yeah, projectile, projectile. Yeah. Man. And then it's really strongly attracted to yeah, yeah the scanner, sadly, yeah. in this <laughs> case. Um and so things like iron, cobalt, nickel some alloys and gadolinium used in yeah. contrast agents are yeah. ferromagnetic materials and the thing with ferromagnetic materials is once you remove the magnetic field the material remains magnetized okay that's really interesting okay yeah, those domains stay aligned sadly okay. and that's when you were at school and you had to do those like physics experiments where you could make a magnet yeah. magnetic yeah, yeah exactly that good remember. juicy stuff why did anyone talk physics i know i think i just wasn't 
it probably wasn't my teacher's fault it was probably my lack of attention but um I think I should have done more physics and done it at a level because actually it is really interesting now that I'm learning it now um <laughs> anyway <laughs> moving on um so okay so we've we've covered diamagnetic paramagnetic and ferromagnetic and and it's really interesting actually that we've said diamagnetic is essentially a human body yeah. paramagnetic is our contrast agents and ferromagnetic are all of the things that we shouldn't be taking anywhere near the MR scanner that the radiographers tell you. Have you emptied your pockets? Have you made sure you haven't got your ID badge on you, etc.? So yeah. they are actually really key principles to know, not only for the exam, but for people working in MR and radiologists, yeah. um, you know, to get their head around for the rest of their careers. Um, so sorry, ST1s, but this is why the exam exists. It's a painful exam, but actually, if you take the exam element out of it, the physics is really interesting. Um, so I'm glad that we've got you to explain these basics to us. Um, I feel like we've covered what magnetism is. Um, and just to make it clear, the MRI machine has a massive magnet. Is that right? Yes. And yeah. how does that then affect us as humans? So uh, it's nice to, first of all, consider like nice analogies, I think. So if you think what happens to a compass needle when mm -hmm. exposed to an external magnetic field, well, it rotates to align yeah. along the magnetic field. And this is to minimize the energy, right? But this isn't exactly what is observed in nuclear magnetic moments. So because you have this property of spin for the nuclei as well, the action of a nuclear spin is to process about a magnetic field, like how a gyroscope processes about the gravitational field of the Earth. Mm. So a mathematical physicist, Lamour, who worked until the early 20th century, investigated atom structures and he found that particles with this property of spin process around the direction of the magnetic field and that the speed, or you can think of it as frequency, of this procession was directly proportional to the applied field strength. So okay. in routine clinical MRI, we're measuring the signal from hydrogen nuclei because it's hugely abundant, which mm -hmm. is a single proton and protons also have a spin value of a half, like electrons. So okay. when a human body is positioned inside the MR scanner bore, the protons, much like a compass needle, align parallel or anti-parallel to the external magnetic field. Yeah. And at the same time, like a gyroscope, the magnetic moments of the protons process about the magnetic field at this set, set frequency known as the Lamour frequency. Okay. So that Lamour frequency definitely comes up in exams. I remember them asking about this. Oh so it's the frequency that the hydrogen atoms gyroscope around while they're in the scanner. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's dependent on the field strength that they're within. But if the nuclei have this property of spin, which the protons do, um, then yeah, they will spin at this known Lamour frequency, which is also sometimes called the resonant frequency. Okay, Jodie, this is really exciting. Now I've got so many questions about how we make images and what the machine does and how, like just so many things, but I'm going to take it back. 
and maybe we should just talk about how we actually measure magnetism. Um, we always hear these words, Tesla, Gauss, 1.5T, 3T. It's all very confusing. But what is a Tesla? Yeah, what is a Tesla? Um... And it's not a car. <laughs> no, uh, it, well, I mean, it's Elon Musk's it successful yeah, thing, <laughs> isn't it? It's doing great. In the context of MRI. In what the is context Tesla? of, let's forget about him. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the SI unit of magnetic flux density. So it's the strength of the magnetic field. Um, and we know from Maxwell's equations that magnetic field lines always form a closed loop. So if we imagine the field lines as a set unit of magnetic strength per line, say, then a high density of lines, more lines per square inch, then the magnetic force experience will be higher. So that's all it's saying when it says magnetic flux density. It's just the strength of the magnetic field. Um, okay. And it's the standard unit. So Tesla is what we use to describe the magnetic field of MR scanners. Okay. So a Tesla is the unit that we use to describe the strength of a scanner. Yeah. But then what is a Gauss or Gauss or how do you pronounce that? <laughs> Gauss, yeah. It's, it's exactly the same. It's just that 10,000 Gauss is one Tesla. So um, it's like Tesla are centimetres and Gauss are micrometres. So one fine. Tesla is quite a large measure of magnetic flux density mm. or magnetic field strength. Um, and Gauss is a smaller measurement. So clinical MRI scanners are usually 1.5T or 3T, like you said. Um, and if we compare this to the strength of the Earth's magnetic field, which is around half a Gauss or 50 big difference. Yeah, micro Teslas, then it's mm. like 30,000 times more for a clinical MR scanner. So it's, yeah. a, it's a big field. I think people forget that actually. So, you know, everyone's like, okay, there's a magnet in the MR machine, but it's a really, really strong magnet. It's really I'm big. Purposely missing out the expletives, but it's a massive magnet. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like the, the 1.5T, the, the baby magnet, is like three times the strength of one of those magnets that like lifts and crushes cars. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of scary. Yeah, it is scary. I think that's the best analogy, actually, because you're like, that thing can pick you up and crush you <laughs> yeah. inside your car, inside your Tesla. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't It doesn't differentiate on what type of car. It doesn't, like, go yeah. all Range Rover, 2FE. <laughs> no, like, any car, it takes it. Yeah. yeah. So respect the magnet is the take-home message. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's go to the machine then. So the machine has got a massive magnet, but what else is inside the magnet? Like, that's a big donut. Like, what, what's going on in there? Yeah. So you see the big donut. But what you're actually looking at is a few layers of donut, which sounds delicious. Um, oh my god! <laughs> Important interlude at the moment. Krispy Kreme are giving away a fifty percent discount for NHS workers oh every god. Wednesday in April. So, oh my god! Um, the podcast may not be released in time, but like, <laughs> there is a discount available. I think that this is, um, you know, there's something in this because next it's going to be a fifty percent discount of like Spanx. And it's like a conspiracy because <laughs> that's dangerous talk. That's true. Maybe they've teamed up together. Like, you know, revolution or something. 
Okay, right. Anyway, tell me about the donut. Delicious layers of donut. So you have the the largest outer layer, which is the cryostat, um, which I really struggle to pronounce. I think that's correct. Um, and then some active shielding and next the magnet. So most important, the magnet. It's a superconducting electromagnet, which means it's a material that when cooled reaches very high values of magnetic field strength. Um, So this means that the magnet needs to be cooled, which is why it sits inside a cryostat, which Mm -hmm. uses a liquid helium bath to maintain a stable... I was hoping you were going to say kryptonium or something. (laughs) there's no nothing to do with superman tragically (laughs) it's kryptonite not even kryptonium (laughs) it isn't made up of metal (laughs) i thought you had some sort of like tm issues you didn't want to get sued i was just going right (laughs) (laughs) yeah super lad liquid helium liquid helium (laughs) it's very cold when it's a liquid so it's a great thing to keep the magnet really cool yeah so you have the cryostat you have the active shielding around the magnet to reduce the field outside of the scanner do some shielding then mm-hmm. you have the magnet and then inside of this is what's known as active and passive shims um, and shimming is another word that's important in mri um, and these are acting to make the field as uniform as possible which is okay super important and super problematic in MRI, yeah. Um, which I guess we'll discuss at a later date. Um, yeah. I mean, shimming is definitely something that comes up in the exams as well, so I think that would be well. useful for our listeners. Yeah. Okay, so we've got uh, magnet casing, we've got donuts of magnets, we've got cryptonite, cryostat, 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 to keep it cool, yeah. um, and then we've got the shimming coils, which is really important. Yes, yeah. and then you have the gradient coil mm-hmm. um which again we'll discuss later but it creates a time varying gradient field which mm-hmm. can sound super complex when just said like that but simply this is used to infer spatial information on the signal okay um, and then right in the middle as close to the patient as possible you have the integrated body rf coil and yep. this coil transmits and receives the radio frequency signal that is used to excite and manipulate the protons in the body. Okay. So there's three types of coils. There's Shimming, loads. Gradients and radio frequency. Well, they're the three main ones, that, and they're certainly the ones yes. that come off in the exam, I think. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll cover them in the later episodes in more detail, like you say. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Is there anything else that we should know about in terms of what's in the donut? So I think uh, the only thing to take away from the layers of the donut is that there's lots of coils in MR, which yeah. is lovely and confusing, but they do all do different things. So yeah. um, understanding what they do will really help you understand the MR physics. You have the superconducting magnet, which is a coil then the shim coils to improve the uniformity of the static magnetic field, then the gradient coils to manipulate the field spatially and with time so that the signal from the protons is encoded with a location, and finally 
there is what people typically mean when they refer to the coils. That's the radio frequency transmit coils and the radio frequency receive coils, which, as the name suggests, transmit and receive the signal used to create an image. Um, and the transmit and receive coils can be independent coils or they can be combined into a single coil. So the RF coil integrated into the body of the MR scanner is a mm. transmit and receive coil, and it does most of the signal transmission in MRI. Yeah. I think that was a really important point. When people or radiologists, you know, your consultants talk about coils, they normally are talking about those radio frequency coils. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of colloquial coil that they refer to. Yeah. Um, every other coil that will always be superseded with gradient or shimmer or <laughs> yeah. you know, the, a description whereas if someone just says coil it's always the radio frequency that they're talking about yeah i think that's yeah yeah okay that's really cool um i feel like this has been really good as an introduction to magnetism but i'm just gonna ask you like just to kind of summarize everything so i'm gonna ask you a few quick questions okay um so what is diamagnetic paramagnetic and ferromagnetic uh, they are terms to describe uh, the magnetism of a material. Diamagnetic is where you have paired electrons in your material, so it has a very weak effect in a field and it's a negative, it's a repelling effect that stops when you take it out of the magnetic field. Paramagnetic has some unpaired electrons, so it has a net magnetic field and therefore there's a slightly stronger um, reaction with the uh, magnetic field um, and it aligns and is attracted to the magnetic field when placed inside of it but again when it's taken outside of the magnetic field loses those magnetic properties and yeah. then ferromagnetic that's a contrast agent for example yes exactly yeah. and that's used in contrast agents and then ferromagnetic materials are the bad ones that are like paramagnetic materials, but they have domains of that are strongly magnetized that when put inside a magnetic field, align parallel, all of them. And therefore yeah. you get this additive effect, you get this huge magnetic field and it's highly attracted to the scanner. Yeah. Cool. And then when they're out of the field, they retain, retain the magnetism. Yeah. Okay, cool. And then in terms of magnetism, I'll say it and then tell me if I've got it wrong. Okay. But the Tesla is an SI unit um, to measure magnetism. Yeah. And um, basically, it, uh, it's a measure of um, quite a large field strength of magnetism. So uh, 1.5T and 3T are Tesla. Yeah. Um, and the 1.5T is 30,000 times the Earth magnetism. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and the Earth's magnetism can be measured in Gauss because it's a much smaller unit that's just like a mini Tesla or a micro Tesla. Yeah. And did you say it was 10,000? 10,000 Gauss, Gauss one to one Tesla. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's why we don't measure in Gauss. We measure in Tesla because they're massive. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Although it would sound a lot more impressive, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should. <laughs> that's true. So like my thousands and 15, thousands. 15,000 Gauss. Gauss. Yeah. MR. I think that's what I'm going to start like a rubbish MR company, scanner company, and to like set myself apart from Siemens. That would be so great. I want to know this company. 
get 15,000 gals. You can just see people be like, yeah, I want the 15,000 one. Yeah, one exactly. yeah definitely. <laughs> um, okay, and then the MRI has got donuts and donuts and donuts going on inside yep. the big donut. And there's three different types of coils. Um, we've got shimming coils to uniform out the magnetic field. Yeah. We've got the gradient coils and we've got the RF coils. And the RF coils is the one um, which receives and transmits the image. Yeah. Um, and the gradient coils is the one that gives you that spatial information. So where is it coming from? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. I mm-hmm. mean, the, super mag- uh, the superconducting magnet is also technically a coil, but okay. it will always be referred to as the magnet. Um, yeah. So that doesn't really matter too much. Yeah. And the superconducting magnet needs to be in the cryostat, which is not made of kryptonite, but keeps it cool because the coolness is important for its magnetic properties. Exactly. To reach such a high field strength. Yeah. And we will cover the liquid helium and the cooling and the quenching and all of those in the MR safety bit. Um, And that definitely comes up in the exam. But this first episode is really just kind of introductory concepts before we get into the nitty gritty of imagery yeah yeah really important foundation before them being like and here's mr physics which is really (laughs) quite a slap in the face at times yeah i know that is true okay so i feel like we covered the basic principles of magnetism and i now understand the difference between tesla and gauss and i've got kind of a good rough idea of what's going on inside the mri machine i know that we're going to go into that bit more detail later yeah um I know that we've touched on a little bit about the llama frequency and precession, um, and I guess we'll go into that in a lot more detail in the next episode when we talk about how we create an image. And I think those concepts are important, right? Yeah, yeah, they're absolutely fundamental. So yeah, we'll talk about them in a bit more detail next time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thanks. Um, I feel like this has been really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been really nice. A little change from a Thursday evening yeah you should see yeah. me looking like That's a right true. nerd in my bedroom <laughs> <laughs> no, i look like a nerd wherever i am it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah yeah no that's totally true i don't know what i was thinking really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway cool thank you so much yeah, um, thank and you. see you next week for next week's podcast At Radiology Jam, we offer, amongst other things, a review of the best available literature necessary to pass the FRCR 2B exams. The FRCR 2B podcast is not a substitute for buying and reading that literature, but it is intended to supplement the best resources on the market. We hope to assist with the digestion of the huge volume of material needed to pass the FRCR 2B exams and provide an oral review of the best available resources tailored towards the Viva component of the FRCR 2B exam. Nothing published by Radiology Jam can or should be taken as medical advice. While best efforts have been taken to ensure that the content is accurate and complete at time of production, it is not guaranteed by Radiology Jam. 
We welcome comments, corrections and suggestions. However, no liability is accepted for any loss whatsoever resulting from any inaccuracy.